Welcome, dear listeners, to another thought-provoking episode of DefundDOC.net's podcast, Why We Need You. Today, we're going to be going over reasons four and three and two and one. I'm Linda, and with me today is Daniel. How are you? Hello, Linda. I'm thrilled to be here, ready to delve into the urgent matter of mass incarceration and the need for reform. In today's podcast, we will explore four crucial reasons. Number four number three, number two, and number one that will shed light on the injustices within our criminal justice system. I promise you, dear listeners, this episode will captivate you from the start to the finish. To begin with reason number four, which exposes the severe victimization of innocent children of prisoners and the lasting mental health trauma they endure. This trauma often leads them towards foster care, dropping out of school, joining gangs, and even engaging in criminal activities. It's a cycle that perpetuates itself and must be addressed. Daniel, could you provide our listeners with more detailed information on this distressing issue? Certainly, Linda. The fact is, this criminal justice system actually creates more trauma and damage to the society as a whole, but specifically to the families and children of the incarcerated. Reason number four highlights how mass incarceration not only breaks family ties, but also victimizes innocent children, leaving them with immeasurable mental health trauma. This trauma makes them susceptible and and in some cases even likely to end up in foster care drop out of school, join gangs, and potentially commit new crimes themselves. It's a heartbreaking reality that has been been playing out in all the data since mass incarceration has started. Virtually ensuring a new population of prisoners is in the next generation. This corrupt cycle must be acknowledged and rectified. That's truly disheartening. The impact on these innocent children and their future is immeasurable. How can we work towards breaking this cycle and providing support for these vulnerable individuals? Excellent question, Linda. This is the thing. We've got to advocate for policies that prioritize the well-being and support of children with incarcerated parents. The fact is, there are prison systems where families are more protected and kept together. That's not what's happening in America. The fact is, Familial bonds actually reduces recidivism and will break intergenerational uh, cycles of incarceration. Establishing programs that provide mental health resources, educational support, and community engagement for these children is crucial. By addressing their needs, we can break the cycle and give them a chance at a brighter future. These stories of innocent children caught in the crossfire will surely resonate with our listeners, inspiring them to join the fight for change. But before we continue, we will take a short break. Stay tuned as we have another compelling reason to explore after the break. Hello, world. My name is Eric Knappick, DOC number 395314, and I am a prisoner. I've experienced firsthand how incredibly horrible it is in prison. There is no meaningful education or treatment. They torture us with solitary confinement. Prison for nonviolent non-emergent and petty pretexts, what we in the state system call diesel treatment. It is very mentally traumatizing. Our families and friends' funds are extracted by phone, media, and personal property monopolistic companies that prey on us as captive consumers. Of course, the most tragic atrocity is how they are stealing our labor through slavery due to the morally corrupt 13th Amendment. 
enacted to create a new slave class after abolishing private slave ownership. Now, every state exploits prisoners' labor through slavery. It is sickening. All this is why we need you to become a certified prison reform activist. You don't have to be an ex-prisoner, felon, or have any experience in the criminal justice system. All that matters is you love the American people. In the special offer section, you can receive a free digital copy of Defund DOC, turn all prisons into treatment and career centers, a free certificate as a prison reform activist, free online support, free network opportunities, free activism event opportunities, and free eligibility for prizes, trophies, and a grand prize of $1 million within Global Accreditation, MG LLC, rules and regulations. We desperately need an army of certified prison reform activists to end this evil and corrupt system. You will be the new Underground Railroad. This is the civil and human rights fight of this generation. Join today. Thank you. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the brief intermission. Now let's delve into reasons number three. This reason explores the repugnant human rights atrocity of mass prisoner enslavement. It keeps prisoners impoverished, releasing them virtually with no money for housing, food, and other necessities. This leads to increased criminal recidivism, religiously deprived victims and creditors of the money owed to them. Daniel, could you shed more light on this issue? Of course, Linda. Reason number four is really close to my heart. The thing is, the United States has become the biggest slaveholder and biggest labor wage theft cryptocracy in human history. Reason number four, excuse me, reason number three reveals how mass incarceration not only punishes individuals for their crime, but also keeps them trapped in poverty upon release. Prisoners are often released without sufficient funds for housing, food, and other basic necessities. How can you be incarcerated for years and get released with a small pittance and have to re-enter society and not go back to your old ways? That is what is facing millions of our fellow Americans. It's an injustice in itself. Not only is the state stealing our people's labor, but they're actually ensuring that they're going to come back to prison and to have another generation of slaves. This lack of financial stability greatly increases the likelihood of criminal recidivism. Moreover, it is outrageously depriving the victims and the creditors of the monies that are owed to them by the prisoner. Essentially, the state is using its correctional powers to steal prisoners' labor, steal the victim's compensation, and steal the family's resources that would be needed to re-enter the society. That's alarming. It seems like an unjust cycle that perpetuates inequality. What steps can we take to rectify the situation? Excellent question, Linda. This is the thing. One crucial step is advocating for fair minimum wages within prison. If prisoners across the country were paid at least the minimum wage for their labor, they would have the means to support themselves, their families, repay their victims and creditors, and re- ultimately reintegrate back into society. This would provide them with enough funds to secure housing, purchase food and necessities, and even establish emergency funds, reducing the likelihood of resorting to criminal behavior. That's a powerful solution. It's crucial that we recognize the human rights atrocities within mass incarceration. These are human rights violations, people. Let's 
think about this for a second. The United Nations Covenant on Rights of Prisoners says that it's a human rights violation to steal prisoners' labor, to enslave them. And furthermore, it's also been a part of our culture to banish slavery from history due to the Civil War. So one last vestige of slavery is the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which allowed the government to enslave its people if they committed a felony. That amendment is evil, it's wicked, and it's been stealing wages from our people for over 100 years. It has to end. Let's support organizations like defunddoc.net, engage in conversations, and advocate for the policies that would prioritize rehabilitation, fair wages, and the well-being of prisoners. Together, we can create a more equitable and compassionate society. Now, let's move on to reason number two, the impact on our descendants, children, foster children, and veterans. DoC's explosive research has uncovered data, and projections that are stunning. They highlight the alarming growth rate of mass incarceration. If this trend continues, we could reach a point where 50% of the American population will either be felons, incarcerated, or on probation. This means the majority of Americans will have a personal connection to the criminal justice system. That's truly concerning, and with the current 82% recidivism rate, these individuals are condemned to a life of enslavement and misery. It's a dire situation that affects not only them, but also their families and loved ones. Can you tell us more about the impact on foster children? Absolutely, Linda. Shockingly, mass incarceration ensnares 90% of our foster children. This is a troubling statistic as I've also shared in my book, my personal experience of foster care called Hopeless in Seattle, a Foster Kids Manifesto. It hits very close to my heart. It's incumbent upon love-minded individuals to recognize that we are failing the most vulnerable foster kids and condemning them to a life of mass incarceration. That's right, Daniel. We must acknowledge this injustice and work towards a reform solution. Another group heavily impacted by mass incarceration is our veterans. Can you shed some light on that? Yes. This is really astonishing, Linda. Currently, one in three veterans have a felony record, are in prison, or on probation. This reveals just how heartless our criminal justice system has become. It's of the utmost importance that we fight for our country, for our foster kids, and especially for the veterans who fought for this country. It's our patriotic duty to reform this failed and corrupt system and transform all prisons into treatment and career centers. This was a failed experiment. Mass incarceration is just an experiment that we could throw to the wayside at any moment. So let's freaking do it. It's crucial to advocate for fair, rehabilitative, and saner approach to mass incarceration, drawing inspiration from the evidence-based model utilized in Norway. Now let's move on to reason number one, why mass incarceration is an absolute failure on every metric. Can you explain this in more detail? Absolutely, Linda. As you stated earlier, Mass incarceration traps a staggering 82% of Americans who are released from prison in criminal recidivism. 
This means that millions of new victims are created each year by repeat offenders. It's a cycle that perpetuates itself and does not serve the purpose of justice, rehabilitation, or public service. What about the financial aspect of mass incarceration? Yeah, mass incarceration has the worst return on investment for taxpayers in the history of the world. Even if you're not persuaded by the fact that we have become the, the biggest slaveholders in human history, the biggest kleptocracy, stealing the wages, the labor wages of our American people in all of human history, and that the fact that 82% of those that commit crimes and go to prison will go back to prison after they get released, or that 90% of foster kids are going to be incarcerated, or that one in three veterans are going to end up in prison, well, then maybe you can be persuaded by the fact that all one those funds allocated to this system make the United States look cruelly harsh, uncivilized, and reminiscent of sophisticated slaveholders, both domestically and internationally. However, we have a better alternative. By adopting the lower-cost model of Norway or other similarly advanced societies that actually spend more money on education than they do on bullets and enslaving our people, we can spend less money and reduce recidivism crime rate down to 20% from the current 82%. That's a significant difference. It's clear that change is possible. But why do you think the media and politicians perpetuate the status quo? That's a, that's a thing, Linda. The sad reality is that the media and politicians often demonize troubled Americans to maintain the status quo and further their own interests. Why would they agree to... Uh, lift the yoke off the neck of our people and end slavery, then it lines their pockets. They're selling license plates with the labor of our people. The, all the office supplies, all the state materials that they're getting, everything that the state sells basically is made by prisoners. And then you've got all the other private industries that are selling uh, prisoner labor goods that are essentially blood goods. Just like blood diamonds, prisoner goods that are being sold in the marketplace today. And studies have actually said that virtually every retailer out there, from Walmart all the way to Fred Myers and, and Safeway, have some kind of good in their distribution network that is made from prisoner labor. So these are blood goods. And these products line the pockets and, and gain power for the politicians while failing to address the root causes of crime. If they were truly serious about reducing crime in this country, as they always like to say, hard on crime, they could adopt a more humane, just, and equitable criminal justice system in an instant that would reduce criminal recidivism rate down to 20%. We are going to take a short break. When we get back, we will continue our discussion on the urgent need to reform our criminal justice system. Hey, everybody. My name is Adrian, and I am very excited to recommend Daniel J. Sims' three amazing books. In his book, Hopeless in Seattle, A Foster Kids Manifesto, he reveals some heartbreaking stuff. For instance, 
He tells us how he was abandoned by his parents, abused in foster care, turned to running away and living on the street, sleeping in the newspapers, bins, and even stolen cars, and ultimately was institutionalized. Sharing deeply painful events like when he was stabbed, it is a compelling read. In his book, The Art of Living, Everything You Need to Achieve, Success of Life and Business, I Learned in Prison, breaks down fundamental maxims he's distilled from over 20 years in prison. It is a profound book. And, of course, his book, Defund DOC, Turning All Prisons into Treatment and Career Centers, is a remarkably concise and comprehensive book detailing the failure of mass incarceration and providing the solutions to massively reform it and reduce recidivism significantly. Every prison reform-minded person needs this book. Each book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or other booksellers, but special to defunddoc.net. You can get all three digital books for this price of one. Check out the special offer today. You will be happy you did. He's a really good person and amazing author. Plus, you will be helping the social justice mission. Get them now. Thank you. Welcome back. Daniel, let's dive deeper into the necessary changes. What specific measures do we need to take? Well, Linda, to truly address the failures of mass incarceration, we need to implement several key reforms. First of all, we have to reduce all non-homicide sentences. And I'm talking every non-homicide sentence to a maximum of eight to 10 years. This is the optimal amount of time that it takes for somebody to be rehabilitated. After that point, they can get institutionalized and all rehabilitation efforts lose its effectiveness. And for homicide cases, it should be a maximum of 20 years. This ensures that punishment is proportionate and allows individuals a chance at rehabilitation. The fact is, it is morally corrupt and unethical that the state is killing our people with long prison sentences when they have not killed anybody. How can you justify putting somebody in prison for the rest of their life or a de facto death sentence, like my case, I got 34 years for an, for a robbery case against an alleged drug dealer where nobody was hurt except for me, and I got an effective death penalty case by a long sentence in prison. And there's billions of Americans across the country that are enduring the same thing. It's an injustice. This is a, a insanity for uh, for the American people to put up with such egregious abuse of power. How can you justify the the state taking away the lives of our people when they haven't took away anybody's life to deserve that punishment? It's not proportionate and it's not fair. It's important to strike a balance between accountability and giving individuals an opportunity to turn their lives around. What other reforms should we consider? That's a good question, Linda. And, you know, we both always talk about this stuff uh, when we're not on a podcast. Me and Linda have in-depth conversations. We're both very passionate about prison reform, about addressing root causes, and just, in, in essence, making a change in society and this world for the better. And we both agree that ending prison slavery is a crucial, crucial step towards uh, ending um, recidivism rate and ensuring that all prisoners are paid at least minimum wage for their labor. This not only respects their dignity and rights, but also provides them with a means to support themselves upon release. 
That's an excellent point. We must recognize that prisoners are still human beings deserving of fair treatment. What about addressing mental health issues within the system? Mental health is a significant factor contributing to criminal behavior, Linda. And I'm sure that covers no surprise to anybody. It's essential that we treat all mental health root causes and provide adequate support and resources to those in need. 50 years ago, 20 years ago, it might have been unrealistic to treat every single prisoner that comes into prison, but that's not the case anymore. We have Zoom, we have all these new technologies that can uh, treat our people and diagnose their illnesses and give them their treatment solutions with the economical system of providing treatment. We can end criminal behavior tendencies by addressing substance use disorder, depression thought disorder, and anxiety thought disorders. All these mental health treatment solutions are available right now, and yet prison systems have not implemented any innovation to mental health. We need to reprioritize mental health treatment for our people because it's essential by addressing these underlying issues, we can break the cycle of incarceration and promote rehabilitation. Absolutely. And lastly, education plays a vital role in reducing recidivism. How can we ensure that every prisoner has access to education and career opportunities? Yes, Linda. It is absolutely crucial to prioritize education with our, within our prison. I have been personally incarcerated for almost 20 years and have not got any kind of college degree, nothing. I've got a bunch of certificates that I've cobbled together over these years, most all self-paid, but it's an injustice. It's just an outrage that we're the one of the richest nations in the world and we allow our government to ensnare our people into these violent cages, warehousing them and keeping them stupid and uneducated so that they quickly commit new crimes upon release. I personally know four people that came to prison on nonviolence and within two months of release committed a murder. That's what prison is doing to our people, ladies and gentlemen. America has to wake up to the injustice that is happening. This can't keep continuing. We're going to leave a very ugly world to our descendants, and I hope that you'll come on this journey with us to actually help prioritize education. By offering comprehensive educational programs, we can equip prisoners with the skills and knowledge they need to reintegrate into society successfully. Providing career training and opportunity can help break the cycle of crime and provide individuals with a path towards a brighter future. And keep in mind, I say prisoners, but honestly, these are Americans. These are our people. Why, why are we allowing the legislators and the politicians and the media to get away with demonizing our sons and daughters? They're, they have committed a crime, but they're not criminals. They have, there are trouble people that made bad decisions, but bad decisions do not define our people. They, make, they can uh, enlighten themselves with a little uh, separation from society and get education and a career and, and re-enter back into society successfully if the state doesn't treat them like a slave. And that's what we're trying to bring into existence. These reforms are not only necessary, but also achievable. 
It's time for us to come together as a society and demand change. Let's work towards a more compassionate and effective criminal justice system. Absolutely, Linda. And just just for uh, our audiences to to understand, we we are on a social justice mission for uh, the the long haul. Me and Linda welcome you to this family, and really hope that you will be a part of it. We have a lot of uh, experiments and projects in the works. One project that we have projected is going to happen in six months is that we're going to do a crowdfunding and uh, film a pilot for a reality show called Love and Prison Reform. That is our that is our uh, title so far. Uh, the, the other title that was uh, presented was Love and Prison Activism. But either way, the, the gist of the show is going to be about the, the American people showing love to their people that are incarcerated or just showing love to people that maybe they don't even know anybody incarcerated. But they want to be part of a reality show that is about change. And we're going to present our people as human beings that deserve dignity and deserve fair treatment by their government. And we're going to try to raise the money to create the pilot. Every single person that wants to be on this reality show is going to be available to be on it. The actual cast is going to be limited, but the people that are going to be able to be on the show at various protests and reform marches, that's going to be... uh, as many people as we can get. So just please be uh, aware for upcoming announcements, and we are going to really be excited to include you into the journey that we have ahead. So I appreciate you for being a part of this struggle. We need all of our listeners to join this fight for reform. Visit defundoc.net to learn more about the movement and how you can get involved. Stay subscribed to this podcast and this blog, because you are going to be a part of a beautiful future, and your name is going to be written in glory. Think about all the people that fought in the Civil War. Those are heroes. That is the war that we're fighting today. This is the new Underground Railroad. This is the new silent Civil War. There is a war going on of silence in the mass media and the politicians. They haven't wanted to speak the word slavery in, in in years, they hate to say that prisoners are enslaved, but that's a fact. And together we can create a future where mass incarceration is a thing of the past. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Daniel, for your insights and expertise. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Remember, justice matters, and it's up to all of us to make a difference. Stay informed, stay engaged, and until next time, take care.